Yesterday, December 8th, in the country of Algeria, a representative of Pope Francis presided over the canonization of 19 new saints. Algerians and other foreigners who were martyred during the civil war in that country in the 1990s and early 2000s. Among them were seven Trappist monks of a monastery. A Trappist monastery, Our Lady of Atlas in Tiburine, Algeria. The reason I know about those monks in particular was that a film was made about them and the circumstances of their death. That film um, was a remarkable film. It was produced in France, released to great critical acclaim, mainstream French actors playing Catholic priests and brothers. Huge box office hit. It's not an exciting film in the sense of what you and I would expect would be an exciting film. It's got subtitles, but an astounding film. It's a religious film, obviously, and it's very, very well made, which makes it exceptional in my experience of watching religious films. Not many of them are that kind of A-level production value, good writing, good acting. Most, most astounding of all, though, it's a, it's a contemporary film, a religious film, that offers a portrait of lived Christianity that's completely positive. The heroes of the film are obviously the, the monks. Uh, they are martyred in the end. They do die, spoiler alert. But in religious films, or films that explore religious themes, we're accustomed to, to seeing saintly heroes pitted against a corrupt hierarchy, right? or a blind, self-interested churchman. This has none of that. This is, a, this is a film that focuses on Christian devotion, on Christian community, and service at, at its most beautiful. It's not whitewashed, it's not romanticized, but it's very attractive, this human attempt to strive for the Christian ideal. So the basic story is these Trappist monks are living in a monastery on top of a mountain, looking out over this beautiful valley in Algeria, French Algeria, formerly French Algeria. This is obviously a Muslim country, but they have a very good re relationship with their lo local neighbors. They serve them, they support them. They welcome them to their medical clinic and earn a living by selling the goods that they themselves produce through farming and, and craft work. However, a civil war threatens to erupt in the country. Islamic terrorist rebels are attempting to overthrow the, the government and impose an Islamic regime. A great deal of terroristic violence breaks out, involving a lot of people. Everyone's afraid, but particularly foreigners. Right? They're being targeted. They want to drive out a foreign presence from Algeria. And so the monks, who are trying to chart a course that obviously keeps them out of trouble, but also holds steady and, and true to their mission, get caught between these, these two pinchers. On one hand, the terrorists, who obviously are willing to target them, but then also the army, who's trying to fight the terrorists, but who suspect that the monks are not quite so rigid in resisting uh, treating the rebels as human beings as they will periodically come to their clinic and ask for medicine or treatment for their injured soldiers, right? So 
the army considers these monks compromised, betraying the defense of the country. So they have to decide at a certain point. The whole point of the movie is, do we stay or do we leave? The French government's withdrawn. They say, we can't protect you. You're on your own. If you stay, we're not going to come to save you. We're not going to come to help you. So the decision to stay or to leave is really a decision to, to die or to live. The film centers in on the final months of their lives in Algeria. And it's loosely based on those events. It's not a historical day-by-day uh, -day analysis of their life. But it absolutely is successful in capturing, in my experience, what I see to be the balance of obedience and, and conscience in a monastic community. In their conversations and discussions, the balance between being forthright and honest and speaking your mind versus a charitable restraint. And in all of them, a humble embrace of, of their weakness and their powerlessness in the face of these great things, but the tremendous strength that faith, faith in Christ bestows on them. It feels really real to experience this film. As these discussions unfold and events intensify, their resolve to remain is composed of a kind of layered concern. Of course, to remain faithful to their mission, to be brothers to everyone, but then also their mission to support and protect the people who directly depend on them, the local community, and what I enjoyed the most was a realization that they began to imagine going back to life in France. Well, I want to live. I didn't come here to die. I didn't come here to be a martyr. I came here to live. I, I chose to be a monk because I want to live for Christ, not, not die for him. But as they explored what it would be like to go home after having lived in, in the monastery, after, after having died, practically speaking, they realized it's absurd. What would I, what would I go back to? Plumbing? There's nothing wrong with plumbing. It's a great, it's a great life if you can find that, that, that work, and that's, that's what your talents lend you to. But these men had, had done something different with their lives, and, and that became clear as, as this choice presented itself to them. In the end, their lives had already been given away. The reason I bring this up today, in the context of Adam, in the context of our readings, there's a scene a confrontation between the abbot of that community, Father Christian, and the captain of a band of terrorists who's moving through the countryside at night, and they demand medical treatment for one of their soldiers. It takes place on Christmas Eve, unbeknownst to the, to the soldiers. They don't, they don't know this is a Christian holiday. And so all of the tension around Christ's birth, right, the massacre of the innocents, Herod trying to track down this king who's going to present a threat to his rule, all that tension's present there, though in obviously a different key. After a, a very tense conversation between the two, the abbot and the captain of this, of this terrorist band, they part ways, but with a kind of respect that each of them has a, has a very strong place on which to stand. And they go in and celebrate Christmas Mass after coming off the adrenaline rush of being held at gunpoint and threatened, possibly um, losing your life. They chant the music, the hymns of the Christmas liturgy. This is the night, they sing, the immense night of origins, 
And nothing exists except love, except love which now begins. God has prepared the earth like a cradle for his coming from above. A lyric, by the way, that no Muslim would ever sing. God does not take on flesh and become one of us. God would never soil himself in that way. God is completely other. God is completely above. He is infinitely above. The only reason we have any contact with him is by this revelation of his word. But flesh? Flesh has nothing to do with God. But they go on by taking flesh of our flesh. God, our desert, did refresh and made a land of boundless spring. It's a confrontation between, on the one hand, men of violence, and on the other, servants of the Prince of Peace. You see the Christian ideal in all of its clarity and all of its radicalness, preached not in words but in a steadfast, courageous, truthful presence. Within a few months, within a few months, these monks will have been kidnapped and beheaded. But they chose to remain, knowing that, precisely because they were called to live out what the prophet Baruch in our first reading tells of. Take off your robe of mourning and misery. Put on the splendor of glory from God forever. Wrapped in the cloak of justice, bear on your head the mitre that displays the glory of the eternal name. You will be named by God forever, the peace of justice the glory of God's worship. Throughout the film, you're watching the monks in prayer. And you can see in the way that they, that they pray, in the, way, the, the gestures of their body, the way they hold themselves, the way they look at one another out of the corners of their eye, a transformation taking place in them. We bear the glory of the eternal name. We are at peace. The peace of justice a peace that we find around the altar where we worship. It culminates in their final meal together, the night they end up being kidnapped when the soldiers break in and finally steal them away. These are men who are completely joyful, completely free, bound together as friends in Jesus because of Jesus. Not without the darkness of suffering or fear. They know what's going to happen and it's going to be ugly. It's going to be grisly. But a real joy that gives them a kind of splendor. These are old, broken-down men. They're, they're, they're weak. But still, a power and a strength exists in them. We don't know who murdered them. We don't know how it was done. The film portrays them in the final scene, walking to their deaths alongside their captors through a snowy forest in, in the mountains. And you hear a letter being read aloud. It's a letter that the abbot of that community wrote just a few weeks before they were kidnapped. And he addresses his future murderer in that letter. It's beautiful. You can, you can read it online. But he addresses that, that, that man, whoever he was going to be. He says, you, the friend of my final moment, will not be aware of what you're doing. I say to you, thank you and adieu to you, which literally means to God. I say adieu to you, in whom I see the face of God. And may we find each other, happy good thieves, 
in paradise, if it pleases God, the Father of us both. These monks in their mountaintop monastery echo the prophet's call to stand upon the heights, look to the east, and see your children gathered from the east and the west at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing that they're remembered by God. Led away on foot by their enemies, they left you, but God will bring them back to you, borne aloft in glory as on royal thrones. So we believe that those who die on account of their faith in Christ are glorified. The little exaltation they receive in our human ceremonies, our, our ecclesiastical ceremonies of canonization, are infinitely inferior to the glory that they now wear in heaven, the crowns of the martyrs. Yet they were already clothed in that glory here, in this life, as they chose to live completely surrendered to the will of God and be conformed to him in his weakness. We aren't called to monastic life. In all likelihood, we're not called to die as martyrs. But that surrender, that love, that trust, that's an Advent prayer and a Christmas gift that every single one of us needs. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.